What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. All right, what's up, Gravel family? We got yet another episode down here in beautiful Bentonville, Arkansas, in the Strider Bike Store. So thank you so much to Strider Bikes for being a host down here. This has been a blast being out here all morning on Friday. The expo is going on behind us. Uh, thank you to Big Sugar for letting us be here, too. So this has been absolute blast. Yeah. When we started this podcast, our number one motive was just to share stories. And every single person on our lineup today has had a different story. And it's been so cool to just have a platform to share those. Yeah. Been awesome. So this next guest is another triathlete. So we've had a little run of triathletes here. Yeah. And not just like little triathlons, Ironman. So uh, super excited for our next guest here. This is a long list of accomplishments so buckle up here so three-time sub nine-hour Ironman athlete that's insane by the way that we'll talk about that a little bit uh, she got eighth in the 2018 uh, Ironman Kona World Championships that was one of her nine-hour finishes she's a 36 time uh, 70.3 Ironman podium winner and a 19 time winner that is ridiculous to even finish that many but to let alone podium so incredible there uh, 2015 Ironman North American champion uh, three-time Ironman champion, six-time Ironman podiums, and those are the full ones. She got sixth at Unbound overall in 2021, sixth at Gravel Worlds in 2021, and above that, she is the founder of I Race Like a Girl and Girls Get Gritty. So welcome to the podcast, Angela Nath. Thanks, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I love those long lineups where we just, like, <laughs> we could go on and on about all of these accomplishments. Yeah, we had... Uh, Heather Jackson on this week too. So she's another Ironman athlete. How's that when, cause Ironman's such an individual sport. Is yes. it, does it feel like community based or is it like, oh, that's, that's my competitor or is, is there, le because it's so individual, is there less drama or? Um, I mean, it's a total, total different vibe from gravel. Um, I've known Heather since we started. Like we've both kind of gone through Ironman together like 12, 12 years ago. And, uh, I mean, everyone's friendly, and, um, but it is a very individual sport. Like, you go to these races, you don't really get to talk too much. The only time that we really get to see each other is at the pro meeting, um, whereas in a gravel event, you know, there's this huge expo, there's always things going on, and it's just kind of a lower key vibe, so everyone's just more friendly, and, <laughs> and we all hang out, so, yeah. Just it's a, different. So different. Yeah, it's such, so unique, and those, like, Ironman, the Ironman rules are like even on the bike you like can't draft like it's individual yes, like it's yeah. so individual um like there's the rules on like how to pass and you can get time <laughs> penalties and stuff if you don't pass correctly so very uniquely individual sport despite being thousands of people at an event from being a triathlete over to gravel what's been the biggest transition the biggest transition is just the start of the races. <laughs> I mean, that's that that's kind of the transition there. Like in terms of training and stuff, I I've always ridden a variety of bikes, and especially during COVID, I jumped on my gravel bike and then just fell in love with it. So a lot of my long rides and um, training has been on a non-TT bike. Um, so when I get into these races, um, I'm pretty comfortable on my bike, but the event starts are always just 
I mean, triathlon, you start in the water, you're swimming, it's not so hectic. Whereas here, it's like you have thousands of people starting an event. And it's, it's something I'm just not used to. And it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of anxiety and stress for so me. You think, like, you think the start of a gravel race is more intimidating than the start of an Ironman race? Like, 100%. Because like the one triathlon I did, like, it was so scary being in water where humans aren't naturally supposed to be. And like, it's just like whitewash and people kicking. And like that, that was terrifying for me on the flip side. That was like yeah. my like scariest part where the starts. Well, of, of well, most of the starts of the triathlons now are um, a rolling start. So they have some like two people go in at a time for the age groupers. For the pros, they do us all together like that. But our our pro fields are much smaller than what the the big big triathlons used to be. Um, so they have made some safety changes in triathlon, um, as, except at the world championships. But they have made those smaller. But I have been in some of those, and it is, it's definitely scary, but luckily the pro fields are a lot smaller, so it's, it's nothing near like a bike race. <laughs> how, did you, how did you get your start into triathlon and Ironman? Uh, good question. I went to college in the States um, as a track athlete, track and field, and uh, I got injured quite a bit from just running, so I started to ride a bike. Um, before I left Canada, because I'm from Canada, I went to school in the States, um, I saw this triathlon bike and I thought it was the coolest thing. So I actually bought it and brought it to my college and I, I didn't even know how to ride it or anything. But I started to ride it, but saw that, you know, there's no races really and I didn't really even know what triathlon was. So I ended up just getting a, a different bike, a road bike. Um, so it wasn't until after college um, I ventured into some road racing. And I, I just saw a uh, triathlon on TV, really, really wanted to do one. And so two years after I graduated, I jumped into a local triathlon and just fell in love with it. And then from there, just kind of continued forward. What was the hardest part of the triathlon? Like getting, because you were a runner, you started bike, was the swim oh, hard? Oh, 100% the swim. I mean, even now, like if you started swimming when you were four, you're a way better swimmer than someone who starts like me when I was 27. So um, it's been a big learning curve but I find that it's so technique oriented that it's it's hard to get that um, and then balance that out with swim bike run so I mean I'm an okay swimmer obviously from racing and stuff but in terms of getting to the very front packs uh, that's that's a whole nother level for me <laughs> is that your we that's your winkest link on the I would the say track. yes definitely <laughs> that's why I like the longer races because the bikes the bike event portion of that is so long that I can make up for my, my lack of swim. <laughs> Let's go on to the Lifetime Grand Prix. Um, we are here at Big Sugar, which is the last race in the series. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about it and what has been your experience? Good. You know, Lifetime really uh, put on some pretty amazing events and opportunities. And so when it, when it was first announced and I applied, I was really, really excited. I never really mountain biked a lot. So every race has been totally different. Um, here in Big Sugar, um, everybody's here because it was kind of like a mandatory event. And it's, it's, it's changed my entire career, quite honestly, because I'm, I'm looking more and more at all these different gravel events and races. And this year has been a huge learning curve, too. I mean, I did a few gravel races, but only like one or two. Um, but the Lifetime Grand Prix was, you know, five or six races, and you had to balance that out with triathlon. So it's, I still want to do both 
events in both sports. And so now that I know what the races are, what races I want to do, I can kind of hopefully schedule things out a little bit better. Because um, this year it was like, okay, well, I'm going to try this and try that. But you just never know what the event's going to entail until you actually do it. So, How has the mountain bike portion of it been for you? <laughs> It's been uh, interesting. So my first race was in Sea Otter, and it's a flowy course. It's not very technical with rocks and stuff, and I was doing great, and then I actually crashed um, and fractured my sacrum. And unfortunately, I finished the race, and it was fine, but I had Worlds, um, Worlds Ironman in about five weeks later, and so I just... It's hard when you have some type of crash happen, and then you, haven't, you have a race where you have to run. I mean, you can't essentially do all that, so... Um, then the other mountain bike race was Leadville and Leadville is above and beyond the most insane race I've ever done in my life. <laughs> it, it earns every amount of yes. respect for being yes. a hard race. Oh my gosh. That race, when I was going up Columbine, I looked up and you could just see ants of riders going up and up and up and up and up. And I just got over COVID actually, like two weeks later. So you're going up to like 13, whatever thousand feet up in Columbine. I could barely, like the entire race, I'm like, because <gasps> it was so hard because I just couldn't breathe because of COVID. And, um, well, and it's technical. Is the right? elevation, yes. it's, it's all over 10,000 feet elevation. Yes. yes. And mountain biking is different than gravel. <laughs> it is very technical. And I, I did crash in that race as well, um, but, I, but I was fine. Um, but it was, it was a really crazy race. Super fun, though. I actually had aero bars on my mountain bike. So I think I was, like, one of the only ones that had that. But I actually used them in some of the parts. Because I'm so comfortable in that position. And I get so much more power. Um, I just love... I have, I have them on all my bikes, really. I, one, I, it is fascinating, like, athletes that do TT-type riding a lot. I've ridden with a few people that, like... I've written, like, uh, Christy Tracy, I've ridden with her, and, like, she just does TT, like, not triathlon, mm. but, like, it is insane, like, when you get in those, like, the uh, drops, or not the drops, the aero position, uh, like, just how your power changes, yeah. and, yes. like, it's, it's totally different muscles, like, you're mm -hmm. using way different muscles so it's crazy like <laughs> do you do you feel that like when you just like get in your teeth like your mm -hmm. bars and you're just like whoop bye bye yeah so like for example gravel worlds unbound i use my tt bars a ton um and even when i'm with groups like i that's when i would take the lead a lot because i just have so much more power and i'm more arrow and um i find that i ha like when i training when i'm training for gravel races i have to tell myself to stay out of the bars because that's that's my go-to because i'm just so comfortable and powerful and um there the, there is a difference it does transfer over but um i will not get rid of my arrow bars <laughs> <laughs> We have, no, we have no intention of banning them at Gravel Worlds, oh, just God. so you know. <laughs> so, so Angela is pro arrow bar on the, the gravel oh, drama. <laughs> the gravel beef. <laughs> pro Pro arrow. So um, what about like arrow bars like in, that's where we've, we're kind of stepping in next year is just mm. air, if you're in a group, like no arrow bars, like if you're not in the front, like the lead, just for safety. I mean... How how are you going to manage that though? We're not. I mean, it, yeah. But like just just as like a safety part, and, and that's less about the front of the group and more about the back. Like we just. Yeah, but I think it comes to the individual. So if someone's in their aero bars, then don't follow them if you don't feel comfortable. 
And the only reason I say that is because I have been in groups in Gravel Worlds, actually, and Unbound, where I've been in my aero bars in the group. And now I'm not one to ride a wheel really, really close. Um, but I look at the terrain, I look at who I'm riding with, and if you're comfortable, I think it's okay. Um, and I just think each his own. I mean, when you're riding a bike, you have to be aware of your surroundings anyways. And um, you just have to make sure that you're comfortable with it. And if, if the person beside you is, I mean, that, that that's on them. Like, if you have a, a, a squirrely rider in front of you, you don't follow them, you know? Yeah. So that's my take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it the... is dangerous, but it's not as any more dangerous, I feel, um, than someone on their bars sometimes because, I mean, there's a variety of um, experience out there. Yeah. So then a uh, little bit back to the Grand Prix. We're finishing up this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are you, what are you hoping for? Like, what's your, do you feel like you've accomplished what you set out to do? Yeah, I mean, when I, when I came into the Grand Prix, I had no, no expectations, and I still have no expectations, um, but I did want to do well. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm not in the top 10. I mean, I'm definitely in the rankings, but um, I went into this with a total brand new eyes. Like, I never really rode my mountain bike before. Um, you know, I'm still wanting to do Ironman, so to, so to balance that has been really difficult, and so my whole goal was to just learn. And I think I've accomplished that for sure. And I, every time I, I jump into a gravel race, I learn more and more. I get more comfortable. And I've learned that what I want to do. And that does involve more focus on gravel, more focus on specific races and building them into that. Alongside Ironman, I'm, I'm an Ironman athlete at heart. I love to run and swim and bike. And I love the, the progression to a really, really big race like that. So I can never let that go. But... Um, I've learned what the races are, and I think that's huge for next year because then you can go in and say, okay, I know exactly what I'm getting myself into versus <laughs> let's just see what happens. What's been one of your favorite memories to come out of the Lifetime Grand Prix this year? <sighs> favorite memories, how good. Um, I would have to say finishing Leadville. I mean, honestly, that was the hardest race I've done. <laughs> Just because I couldn't breathe the entire time. I was literally huffing and puffing, and it was way, way out of my element. 10,000 feet and above on a mountain bike. Like, it was... That is yeah. the opposite of Ironman Kona. Like, 100%. as far opposite <laughs> as you could be. As yeah. far as you could be. What, what's the biggest, like, transition or skill you've used, like, switching from triathlon to gravel? I think the biggest is that actually works for, for both sports is how I do nutrition. Um, you know, I've met a lot of people that have done gravel races and events, and I've actually taught them how to fuel on a bike. <laughs> um, as a triathlete, and especially for Ironman, you have to really, really be cautious of that and be careful and have a plan of attack in terms of how many carbohydrates, your salt intake, your the amount of fluids you have. And so transferring that over to the longer events like Gravel Worlds, Unbound, all of those, um, I think has benefited me a ton. And so having that experience going into these races, especially when I went and did Unbound that first year, like I, I, I had really, really good nutrition practice. And I think that's what got me to that, pla- to that placement is because I knew what my body needed. So would you say like it's, like with the nutrition side, is it, are you able to pace better? Do you think that because like 
because of that experience? Because, like, I mean, nine-hour Ironman versus, you know, 11 hours at Unbound or nine hours at Gravel Worlds. Like, mm-hmm. it's a similar time, but yeah. it's still totally different. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the, um, the amount of fuel that you ingest. So I, I take in about 90 grams an hour, which is quite a bit. And that's kind of more of a standard that people are learning more and more to get more carbohydrates in. And if you think about 90 grams, 90 to 100 grams is four gels an hour. Um, so that's quite a bit for some people. Like some people just take a one gel, one gel every hour. And doing that for every hour that you're out there on the bike, you don't lose your power. You don't get tired as much. You know, you're able to, to sustain that fitness longer versus if you, if you aren't going to fuel. Um, and one of my key notes that I tell everyone is if you're getting grumpy out there, have something to eat because <laughs> that's almost always has to do with calories. You always just want to get on top of your nutrition before you feel yes. hungry, correct? Yes. And you always, I always like uh, eat a lot the first couple hours if I can. I mean, the gravel races are a little different because it, there is a lot of people around when you're first racing. So I, I usually carry um, a hydration pack on my back because I then don't have to grab the water bottle so much and I'm, and I put fuel in there as well. So um, I'm just on top of that all the time. This is kind of how you're talking is like a coach, which <laughs> is good because you are mm-hmm. a coach. Like what are, how long have you been doing coaching and is it just try or do you do psych, just yeah. cycling focus? Yeah, I've been a coach uh, actually basically three years into triathlon. So I've been doing triathlon for 13 years. So I guess that's 10 years. Um, but I've put more and more focus in the last couple years. Um, I have triathletes, beginners. I have gravel racers. I have ultra endurance runners. Um, my, uh, my group of athletes are really fun because I have some that are veterans and wanting to get to Kona for triathlon, for example. And then I have others that are venturing into their first gravel race. Um, and then I have one crazy girl. She's awesome though. She is literally doing all the races and she's done gravel worlds and it's been fun and really, really rewarding. I mean, I've learned so much in sport that it's, it's my job too, you know? And um, I, I love to help others and inspire others. And so being able to be hands on deck kind of and help focus them to their races has been really, really rewarding. What is the difference? Because you have started both I race like a girl and girls get gritty. What are the differences between those? Yeah, so they're sister teams, basically. Um, I race like a girl is a triathlon team and girls get gritty is a gravel team, basically is the difference. We have members on both sides. Um, When I did my first gravel race, I just saw the community and and there was a lack of women, um, and I just wanted to help bring that more to the forefront um, because my team, I Race Like a Girl, has just been so motivating. And, you know, I've met so many friends on that team, and they're my best friends today. So it's, it's something I wanted to bring to the gravel world, and it's been super fun because I've met so many different people um, along the way. It was fantastic at Gravel Worlds this past year. We had the Thousand Women of Gravel Initiative, and there were so many Girls Get Gritty ladies there. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. You guys were a fantastic presence at our race. 
Yeah, you. Uh, I think I'm 99% sure that uh, Girls Get Gritty had was the largest yeah. team at Gravel yes. this year. See, awesome. <laughs> and we're we're actually open for registration if you guys want to join us until Halloween. So where can people find more information about that? Yes, you can go to iracelikegirl.com. Um, actually, both teams are on that site now because um, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a balance to try to balance all this stuff that I'm doing, and so the more I can make it easier on my end, the better. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, and then what? What's the like? Are there any team requirements or what's what's it? Um, if you are female or female identifying, then you are welcome on the team. Uh, it's all inclusive. If you're part of other teams, it doesn't matter. You don't have to wear our kits, but we have the best kits. If I have to say for myself, <laughs> everyone can see them. They're so awesome. Um, and we just do a lot of events uh, together. So the whole idea is to bring community together. And so, for example, a few races for Girls Get Gritty, people are already talking about next year for Gravel World. It's like, okay, let's get an Airbnb together and, and just connecting uh, people from all over the States and Canada. And because so, sometimes you want to go to these races and you have family that can't come or, you know, it, it's, it's kind of lonely in that sense. And so if you know you have like a full team there, um, it just changes the entire race for yourself. Um, at least for me, you know, I've, I've met so many people at races and uh, you're racing for a team at that point and not just yourself. I like that. That's very important to have a group of like-minded people who yes. they just encourage each other and they're there for each other no matter what. Mm -hmm. Does it feel like, has there been any differences that you've seen like among your teams between the tri-team and the gravel team? Um... <sighs> I mean, I guess, I guess it's, uh, we have a lot of w w women that are on both teams. And so I'm always like a campaigner. I'm like, okay, like if we have some people on the I Race Like a Girl team, I'm like, have you ever considered gravel? Because <laughs> 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 uh, I, just, I just have a love for gravel and I have a love for triathlon. And so there's no real big difference. Um, I guess the community is a little different because triathletes are a little different than gravel riders if you were to put them in a category. Um, and that's just the dynamic of, of what the sports are themselves, you know? Um, and otherwise, I mean, it's just full on. We just encourage e each other. We have our private forums. We have challenges. And um, it's just fun. It, it really makes the sport more fun. Have there been any top memorable moments uh, that you've heard of Girls Get Gritty or I Race Like a Girl changing women's lives? Yeah, you know, I've had a few emails come back from um, members and saying, you know, thanks so much for creating this team. I, I've met so many people that I can ride with in my area. And so that really helps encourage people to get more time on their bikes and, and just out there and racing. Um, personally, for me, it's changed my life entirely. Uh, as, a, as a triathlete traveling the, the country and stuff, I never really had a home base and I never really had solid, solid friendships and I've met five specific women we went and made our own little tri camp and they were all on my team and the only reason I knew them is because they were on my team and I just asked the team itself who wants to go on this camp and we all got together and uh, they are my best friends and now I live right next door to my best friend that's on the team and it was all because of I Race Like a Girl um, incredible. so it just honestly has changed my life it's incredible I, I just love stories like where the community of that and like that's that's me too like mm -hmm. I think we all who have had the fortunate opportunity to 
call sport home or this sport home is like it's that community that has been so special and like we all have those stories mm-hmm. um so that's that's awesome that that your team has brought you that yeah um like what what do you tell like how would you encourage people who haven't found that yet what what would you tell them to where to find it I, I, you know, when I started triathlon, even for doing triathlon camps, I just did a Google search. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I, I found a camp and that's how I really got into triathlon. So if I, I would encourage you to do the same thing for teams or, or group dynamics or, or community. Um, just, just do a Google search on where you live and just kind of, you know, travel like triathlon teams, gravel teams. Um, and then also at, at the races, I find, especially at gravel races, there's a lot of talk that, that goes on throughout the event. Um, you know, like the first part of the race, no one really talks, but you find a group of people a lot. And I've met a lot of people just in the race itself, and that's changed everything, too. And, and you know, I did a shakeout ride this morning, and I talked to about 12 people that I've raced with along this year, and it was just fun to connect again. And so then, you know, you find out what race they're doing next, and and you create your own community within the context of that event. What advice do you have for women wanting to go to the next level in racing? Uh, in gravel or triathlon or both? We'll do gravel Let's first. Let's do gravel first. Gravel first. Um, just try to get into the big events, really. Um, that's kind of how I jumped in. I went into Unbound, and I still consider myself a beginner. <laughs> um, very much so. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I did, I had an opportunity to race in Unbound and Gravel Worlds that first year and um, had a blast. And so now knowing kind of what races to look at and and do, that's where I would put your focus on. And in terms of triathlon, kind of the same thing. It's, it's a progression for triathlon. You have to get a pro card and qualify. And so uh, I would look at your qualifications that you need. You have to go to specific races for that. And Um, Overall, I would hire a coach. I mean, I think having a coach is really beneficial um, because as an athlete, you're so subjective. And just having an outside view and someone that really is experienced and has the knowledge to get to you, to get all your assets basically to be fulfilled, like being able to perform your best with what you have. Um, And I I think you need a coach to do that. That's really good advice because a lot of people are scared of getting a coach. You know, it's, it is kind of intimidating. It's the next step. Um, but we hear it across the board that it's, it's essential if you want to go to the next level. Yeah, I, I think I, in all the years I've been a triathlete and um, an athlete itself, I think I, I, I've been a – I have had no coach for only two weeks, and it was terrible because <laughs> I'm so subjective. Like, I think, oh, I should go longer. I, oh, I need to do this. And I always just want to do more and more and more and more. Um, and that's obviously not the way to go about it. So it's just, it's just really nice to have a coach that you believe in and trust and have really good communication with. My current coach is amazing. Um, you know, we text all the time, and it's, it's, it's really beneficial to, to have a program that uh, you believe in, too. Uh, so as a coach yourself, with people that are just getting in, like Sophia said, how it's intimidating to start that process, what, what is the process like if they hire you as a coach? Um, well, if they want the simple way, you just register online and then you have access to me and I, and I connect with you. Um, but, the, but the primary 
people that want to um, inquire about coaching, um, they can just email me, um, message me on Instagram, and I have a really good conversation with them. So not only do like I, like I have to be a good coach for them, but they have to be a good athlete for me. So there has to be some type of vibe there that you know I feel comfortable being able to be there for them. Um, I've only had a few athletes that I just felt that we probably weren't a good match, um, but otherwise everyone's really, really good. So I, I really am a very communicative uh, athlete, uh, like having a coach-athlete relationship because I've experienced it myself. The more communicative I am with my coach, the better that he can help respond to the next day or the week planning or what have you. And so I leave it up to my athletes to communicate with me, but they have f like full access to me. They can text me anytime, call me anytime, email anytime. Um, and I think that's the only real way to do it because as humans, we have so, I mean, well, as in our society, we have so many things going on. Some of my athletes have families, you know, full-time jobs, and they want to get and do an Ironman, and it's just a lot of hours, and so um, being able to communicate that, and especially being female, our hormonal changes, I mean, there's so many things that go into the context of an athlete and how they feel um, that it's hard to do alone. Well, I wanted to say thank you to you personally. You've been a huge supporter of Gravel Worlds and bringing your team to, to Gravel Worlds and um, everything that you're doing to get more women into cycling and triathlon. So thank you for, for that. Uh, but before we go, Sophia always has one last question. I do. Ooh. So what does the Gravel family mean to you? Can it be long or short? <laughs> Let's go long. Let's we want to hear all way of this. Long. What does the Gravel family mean to me? Um, it's an extension of sport um you know coming from a different background it's it's all encompassing so within the context of my team girls get gritty and what you guys have done the lifetime grand prix bringing it all together it's just such a different sport you feel so welcome and you feel like when you're when you're at these events when you're at the expo and you see all the people that have been done previous events you just you, you feel like you're home almost you know in that sense and I haven't really felt that in triathlon. In some ways, I have with my team, 100%. And that's why I created the team. Um, but with gravel, uh, you almost have that already encompassed within the context of every race that you're at. Um, and it's hard to explain, but like when you're out racing or, or well, actually, yes, when you're out there on the trails, uh, you get connected with, say, six to 10 people. And you become this little kind of unit. And it's fun because some people like go off in the front, some fall off, and then you find a new unit. And it's just these, all these tiny little family units. And you work together, and it's just the camaraderie out there is so awesome. And you try to get to that finish line. But, but then like 200 yards to the finish, you're like, screw this, I want to win. And, then, <laughs> and that's family to me because I grew up as a middle child, and I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> So it's fun. <laughs> I, I just posted yesterday of like uh, that classic uh, video of the uh, the woman rider. I think she was doing like a tour and she was like, oh, me, I trying to catch up. And she's like, make it all. I got to catch him. And I was like, I was like, this is me at 500th place. Like, like and you got to just hit it. It's like, it's like, yeah, I'm racing for 501st place. You're going to get 500 second. But, <laughs> but, but it matters. I mean, that's what makes it fun. Like, it really is super fun. I, I think what race was it this year? Mid-South. I did Mid-South for the first time. And uh, you won your age category. 
Didn't you? Uh, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I you, did. You yeah. did. You yeah, did. You, yeah, yeah, you I guys were the, there. Yeah. You gave me the award. Yeah, okay. Um, so that was really fun because I caught a group of people, and one of the guys that were in that crew were the people that I came with. And so uh, at the finish line, like, we really went at it because <laughs> we knew who each other was. And it was, like, whatever place, you know. But it, it didn't matter in the context of, like, the age group category. It was just me and him. <laughs> And he unfortunately won. So, oh, man. <laughs> by just a hair, I just a hair. <laughs> <laughs> what place was it overall? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Again, it, it didn't matter. It, it was just me and him. <laughs> At that moment, yeah. the world the world was two people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, what's the what's what's next year look like for you? Yeah. Well, I'm not done this year. Actually, I'm doing this race, and then I'm still training for Ironman. I'm doing Ironman Israel in November. Which Whoa. is yeah, oh, that'll a be a cool event. one. Yeah, so I'm actually banking this race with some long runs, and it's 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 uh, it's hard training sometimes for sure. Um, and then next year, depending on how the Lifetime Grand Prix pans out, um, I'd love to do that series again. I want to do Gravel Worlds, uh, Steamboat. Um, I mean, there's a lot of gravel on my agenda, um, and I do want to ultimately get to Kona again. Um, so that's why I am. I mean, I just love Ironman, and so I haven't. That schedule has not come out for us yet um, in terms of the professional field. So I am just focused on Ironman Israel and hopefully do well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything you're doing for gravel and women in sport. You're a a genuine inspiration and awesome human. So yeah, yeah, go check out Girls Get Gritty or iracelikeagirl.com. Thanks. And good luck tomorrow and throughout the rest of your races. (laughs) We'll see you. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. I'm Angela. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We will see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com. 